What's up, boys and girls? Welcome back to the Deal Maven podcast. New name, new brand coming at you with just a whole new makeup. We're trying to go for how many times can we change our name and still have people know who we are? And so with that, we brought in Mubarak Shaw. What's up, bro? How you doing? Good, good. Excited. So today we're going to talk about 2023 predictions, what we think will happen in the world. So right now it's January 16th. There's a concurrence that we are going to be in a recession and no one seems too optimistic, high level on the prospects of 2023. It's a sleeper year, not a lot of expectations. So we'll see, we'll see what we got. We both have some kind of high level thoughts. So I'm going to let you start it as come out the gate hot with some of your... Well, actually, I want you to start because mine is my first one goes into something that it takes, something that my guy takes that when, I think when, is going to... So, <laughs> so one of my first predictions is that I think it's going to be much more mainstream to do roids and we'll call them health supplements that used to be very kind of faux pas not allowed looked down upon i think i think when you had the liver king that came out taking steroids you have all these guys that go out and talk about like are you natty are you not natty all these guys aren't natty i think it's going to creep into the mainstream more and more what used to be very very taboo it's going to be like an only fans type vibe where like used to be like, what, for real? Like, you do that? And then it's like, oh, but you have a dope car, so, like, it's worth it. I think that's going to happen. In, <laughs> I think that's going to happen in the, like, steroids, testosterone, semi-glutide is another one. My wife actually has a business where she, like, has teamed up with a nurse practitioner selling semi-glutide to customers. And, again, I think three years ago, it would have been, like, very looked down upon, almost like a – you have a disorder if you're injecting yourself with something. To... Yeah, yeah. And it was just very uncomfortable. Like, did you ever spend time on like the bodybuilding forum? Bodybuilding.com. Or... I work out and stuff. <laughs> no, so uh, yeah, because basically like, I don't know, I can't remember it now. I mean, I used to actually browse these forums when I was like in college and all I cared about was that. But in another life, yeah, I almost thought I was going to be a bodybuilder until I realized oh, I was... Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I used to work out twice a day for every day, like 10 times a week. But then I realized I didn't have like the genetics for it at all. Like, I don't know if you know, but like Indian males have like higher insertion points for their forearms. Like they have skinny forearms and skinny calves if you, you know, stereotypically across the board. And so that leads to pretty poor results in bodybuilding shows or- Have you seen the Kobe Bryant clip where he's like, that sounds like excuses to me. Like, well, I guess, yeah, I guess it was like that, but it was also just, I just never could do or wanted to do like roids or anything, but the interesting thing is that like the body. What? Until now, now you're yeah. down, now that you know, that, hence the thesis. Well, now it's becoming, yeah, it's becoming cooler from the top one, but explain to people what like the ivermectin is and the semaglutide and everything. So those people that like haven't heard of it, because they're going to hear about it in a couple months, but it's still so, pretty on the DL. So high level, as your non-health consultant, my understanding of semi-glutide is that it is an injection that was 
historically given to people with type two diabetes that help the body not respond to glucose. So anytime you eat something sugary or carbohydrates, that's glucose that goes into the body, the liver starts generating insulin, which stores fat. And so I think semi-glutide in some way, shape or form basically makes it so that type two diabetics are less responsive to sugary things. And it also like kind of wets the appetite of sugars. Like if you have three Skittles, you're like, I'm done. I'm out. It's like not tolerable to anymore. And it changes the way that you metabolize glucose. So that way you don't store fat anymore. So it used to be given to people that were pretty obese as a way, obese and diabetic. And it was a way to curb curb appetite and also reduce just fat. Fat. like you get skinnier even if you eat basically the same and i'm sure i'm gonna get roasted like no that's not right blah 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 but yeah, high level yeah. it's a weight loss supplement you shoot yourself with a baby baby tiny needle once a week you know the side effects are pretty minimal you can have a little bit of nausea for a week or two and then after that you, kind of like a miracle drug it got approved from the fda in like the 2015 2016 so it hasn't been on the market for a ton of time which is like not great because <laughs> yeah, you know in yeah. 20 years maybe like the asbestos stuff like asbestos is the best way to line your walls so it's like the cheapest way to insulate stuff and then 40 years later everybody has oh wait uh, is that where asbestos comes from no i'm just saying similar to asbestos being great because they used to do all their insulation with asbestos but then it leads to mesothelioma like no that's what i'm saying i didn't i didn't know that i didn't know asbestos was something that they used to use intentionally yeah totally yeah oh wow that's interesting. For, for <laughs> insulation. Yeah. 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 Uh, so then, yeah. So, I mean, that's the whole thing is that this is like, I'm surprised though that people are even like cool with it. I mean, I guess it is still like biohacker group and all that, but is it something that you need to get like a prescription for, or just people are getting it just like that? You have to have a prescription. I think you have like the convergence of like levels that brought in like glucose monitoring or which also you typically need to have a prescription for. I think you have liver King coming out using Roy's, which is like, obviously very well known. The other thing that happened with semi-glutide specifically is it kind of leaked out like the elites of the elites, right? The Hollywood people, like anytime you need to lose weight for a movie or the buyer hacker, like CEO, Twitter crowd, they're all on semi-glutides as a way to curb appetite, lose weight. Elon Musk is on semi-glutide or ivermectin yeah. or some of that as a weight loss inducent, you know? Yeah, yeah. And that's kind of what goes into the next thing. That was my first kind of prediction was the funny thing is I had thought about this even before. Like, I just thought like with him doing so much, it's kind of like the whole Icarus thing. Like, you know, it's just, yeah, he's great. He's like the smartest man on earth, half robot, never has to stop. But it's like, there has to be a point at which the body decays or decomposes or something or the mind hits some block or so, which is tough to say. I mean... Even before I talk about what I think is going to happen with Elon Musk, I don't understand how Warren Buffett and what is his name? Charlie Munger. I think Charlie Munger is a hundred years old. <laughs> no, legit. I think he is. He's 1924. He's 99 years old. <laughs> so it's it just like when you see him with like a glass eye and the crazy thing about them is that they're the exact opposite. Like Buffett eats McDonald's for breakfast, Dairy Queen for lunch and like Coke or a cherry exactly. Coke, yeah, make, like sees candy and just calling it good, just happy. 
and that's enough to kind of keep him alive i guess but i don't know if it's like something else they take but yeah basically my prediction first prediction was this is like something's gonna happen to elon musk like the going non-stop for so long i think is just not conducive to any success long term and obviously everyone's like hey whoever bets against elon musk is always gonna fail and that's probably been right for the last decade or so but i just feel like you know how far can it go and especially with all the different things he's doing you know back when there was three things like when it was just solar city tesla like early 2010s or so that was like okay he's still doing a crazy amount of stuff like what were the first three it was solar city it was tesla oh and spacex yeah obviously but so those were the t- initial three ones but then i just feel like he has five more things that came about since then like boring tunnel Neuralink, all the kind of side businesses he has and I don't know his intense level of participation with them, but just in general, like now Twitter, when it's like, okay, I also think that he could have just bought a few couple of car companies for that much money, 44 billion. But in general, even if the people say like, Hey, they were, that was like a anti-monopoly, like he would have had to deal with antitrust things. If he bought another car company, I just feel like him, he's going to have some type of major health issue. Unfortunately, I don't mean to wish bad on anybody. But... Semi-glutide. You think yes, semi- yes. And that's where I think it links is that semi-glutide is going to be the thing that takes down Musk. <laughs> <laughs> I don't I don't know why. I mean, I'm sure he has like a doctor that watches it and stuff, but it's just like because there's that other thing that they talk about in the All In podcast that I hadn't heard of before, but it seems like anybody over Metformin. Yeah, I think all of those are like branded iterations of I think it's like. Ritalin versus Adderall versus Vyvanse type stuff. Yeah, yeah. So I think it was like, these are all medications, I think, for diabetes are used to treat high blood sugar. And then now they've just kind of slowly gotten into the mainstream into like Silicon Valley to like microdose and stuff. Or I don't know. I feel like because those guys are talking about it, it's kind of flowing through. Like you just said with the liver king and stuff. But I just think the injection stuff is really intense. But I do agree with you that I think that is becoming more popular like i feel like the younger generation is going to be a little bit more comfortable with that somehow yeah and i think similar to how you think elon will have a downfall i think that there will be a similar giant that has a downfall by the name of tiktok i think tiktok its own version of a health issue (laughs) i think you have all of this media coverage around tiktok's terms of service what they're actually monitoring. And I think that TikTok is going to have issues. I don't think that it's going to get banned. I don't think that, that we'll be able to come to a consensus. Well, they there. had that in like the, for the politicians, right? Like in Congress, I think mm-hmm. a couple of weeks ago, House of Representatives, Senate, all those people, like their TikTok's banned on those devices. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think the Chinese ownership aspect of it, I think they're going to get a lot of pressure to get it off of their books and kind of bring it fully in how a US spinoff or so or US subsidiary. I think anyone who's posting on TikTok is also cross posting it in a lot of other places. And I think that with powers, things like that, like Zux is going to figure out how to do a similar thing through Instagram. Like on, a lot of times I'm on Instagram and I don't even know whether I'm on Instagram or I'm on TikTok because it's like the same <laughs> motions. I feel like Zuckerberg himself is out of the picture in terms of he's like how Bezos got into Blue Origin and is out. He's like onto legacy. 
Yeah, I think I think he's on to like Zuckerberg is just on to the metaverse, right? But I'm <laughs> sure there's other people in the company. Who was the guy? A- Andy Jassy, I think, that took over AW because Amazon is AWS, right? That's like the secret yeah. money that is actually there. Amazon's like the front, but AWS is what's actually making, you know, I think 90% of the revenue or something crazy. So Adam Salipsky, I think he's the one who took it over. But yeah, so I imagine Facebook has something like that with Instagram. But I would agree with you on the TikTok thing. Like it looks like TikTok is wounded and it's like bleeding out a little bit, but it's trying to survive. Like it had the India ban, right? Didn't it get banned in India last year too? Yeah. So that's like a billion people, right? I know that it's sticky from a user engagement standpoint, but I think from like an actual monetization, do TikTok ads do well? high level are they the same kind of core product from a tiktok monetization that facebook ads instagram ads youtube pre-roll google ads i don't know that tiktok has figured that out yet yeah i don't use tiktok too often i probably got to use it more but have you messed around with tiktok ads we've run them not well enough to have an indicative sample size like i I think tiktok ads work well from like user-generated content where you like paying testimonials for people to do little e-com physical product brand stuff, kind of top of funnel UGC stuff. Particularly if you go outside of the e-com world, like almost drop shipping world and you go into like SaaS businesses and the people that are real big purchasers of media spend, you know, I haven't seen a ton of that work just anecdotally, just what I've heard on the streets, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. No, I feel you. I would say I can see why TikTok is going to fall, but I would say it's Snapchat. If you Google Snapchat, literally anytime you type in Snapchat and you look at the news, it just has the worst stuff <laughs> ever about it. Like, I'll just show for a few seconds. Just look at this Snapchat. Look at the news here. The, I mean, you type in Facebook, TikTok, anything else, it doesn't look like this. But when you type in Snapchat, I don't know if it's like a concentrated effort of like the media to take down Snapchat, but there's only things about death and shootings and inappropriate things and deaths and I feel like Snapchat is the closest thing to the Silk Road of the social media accounts that are left. The Silk Road of it? What do you mean by that? Because it's built to like disappear and be distributive and non-traceable. Yeah, it was made to be shady. Bitcoin, yeah, it was like built so teenagers could sex each other, right? That was like the whole idea. Yeah, I think that's why like the founder created it. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I'm surprised. I guess with that premise, I am surprised how far it's gotten anyway. (laughs) (laughs) I just know that their stock price, I don't know if you've ever invested into Snap. This is not financial advice, but. You know, Gary V, like he was big into Snap, like back in the day, right? 2016, 2017. And obviously there are a lot of creators that kind of built their whole brand on like DJ Khaled, right? Yeah, true. I think he became extra popular because of that. Yeah. The keys and everything he was supposed yeah. yeah. Um, I guess it's been around for mad long, but then in one year or the last year, Snap is down 75%. Well, didn't they do that stock deal where the owners like basically kept the majority voting control in the stock exchange. I know that's how they set it up. Like they had it, like how Google has it, where it's just like the founder shares are like 10,000 to one. They got like a bad press run about it on how 
some of those guys were stepping out. I think it was when there was a mass layoff that happened and it came out that like, even though Spiegel and those guys own like less than whatever, 10% of the business, like they have major voting control despite yeah. Yeah. being young guys that don't necessarily know exactly like what they're doing and not having like board control or anything like that, right? Which is another public companies would typically have, I guess, was the just No, that makes sense. Uh, that Facebook will also fall. Or you think that Facebook will buy Snap? Maybe Facebook buying Snap could be interesting because here's the thing is that Snap they had these glasses, right? They were supposed to be like an optical company. And I think that's what they say in their 10K. I just don't think Snap has enough relevance to stay interesting. And there's yeah. enough like press always kind of hurting it. But I think there's going to be a, some type of merger or so because Snapchat, like, they've developed like spectacles and everything. So it would kind of make sense for Facebook to buy it, I think. You think but I don't know. I don't know. I feel like got Kanye West bought, what's it called? <laughs> he bought that social media company. Was oh, like, yeah, yeah. I, I have to see what happened with that because last I remember about Kanye was that he buys Snap. DJ Khaled and The Rock join together and buy snapchat yeah yeah that would be that would be interesting yeah i think if somebody they call it did then it would come full circle because that's what made him rich <laughs> <laughs> that would definitely but it looks like kanye is not buying parlor no he's not he bailed it's just december 1st so just like last month i said that uh, i think parlor terminated the agreement because kanye went on a super racist thing right for a little bit yeah, the back a month or two ago. Yeah, so I think everybody canceled on Kanye. What's funny is I actually had a video that I had shot. Kanye was he's like one of my favorite artists. He's probably my favorite like musician. And it was right when he was like, like Adidas can't cancel me. Like I'm uncancelable, right? And that was kind of the news. Yeah, yeah. And there was like news about Adidas potentially canceling the partnership. Yeah, yeah. So I had like a video with that I shot with my guy and it's like me in front of like the news and I'm like I stand with Kanye no matter what he's the best artist that oh was and it's like there's like a two days space between like shooting it and getting it like put online that yeah. was the night that we shot that I was like you know Kanye's in the news against Adidas all this stuff and then Saturday he like came out with like all of the anti-semitic stuff uh. <laughs> Guys, like, scrap the video. Like, do not post this. <laughs> Thank God you caught it. Like, this isn't the hill that I'm willing to die on. Like, yeah, yeah. I'm too young. I'm not getting caught up in this stuff. They heard of something bad. Yeah, they canceled this stuff. Forbes said the loss of the Adidas partnership caused Ye his billionaire status. I think Kanye, Khaled, Kanye, nobody can touch it with a template pole right now, but I think Khaled and The Rock buy Snapchat. Or Kim Kardashian has a new fund. Right with a bunch of Carlisle people, I think. Kim oh yeah, true. The Rock is pretty untouchable though. He's like a billionaire now too, right? Yeah, with Zhao and the liquor thing that he's got. Yeah, yeah. He's if he's not there, he's close for sure. Whenever he sells Terramana, and I'm sure Terramana will be the thing that takes him there. Like he's doing the George Clooney playbook, right? Like yeah, yeah. George Clooney did that. Yeah, no, that's a good point. Ryan, not Ryan Gosling, the other one that's. Matt Damon? No, Deadpool. What's that guy? Ryan Gosling? Is it Ryan Gosling? No. Yeah, yeah. Deadpool is Ryan? Ryan Reynolds, sorry. Ryan Reynolds. Yes, yes. yes. And he, he has uh, Aviator Gin. Ryan Reynolds does. Aviator Gin is actually a crazy story. He was trying to buy Aviator Gin for his 
friends on a Christmas thing. He couldn't get a hold of it. And so he called the founders of Aviator Gen. Aviator Gen had been around since 05. Okay. Ryan Reynolds bought in. He bought like a 25% interest in Aviator Gen and became the spokesperson for it. And they like had no plans to really scale their brand. They were keeping it like artisanal. Yeah. And so he bought into a pre-existing brand that was already running, put his social media behind it. And it's like crushed it ever since. Interesting. The media playbook, bro. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you have enough eyeballs, then it just, you can just constantly push it. That's like what the Kardashians did. Yeah. You can monetize anything there. Okay. So next, I think that any business that is in the commercial real estate business, particularly as a storefront, I think retail stores, people that use brick and mortar as a way to sell merchandise or experience or service, massage parlors, bed, bath and beyond. I think all of those businesses are going to struggle. And I think that real estate companies are going to have massive write downs and massive bankruptcies. You've already seen it in the retail space. You have Bed Bath & Beyond declaring yeah. they're on the verge of bankruptcy. You have Party City that's declaring that they're on the verge of bankruptcy. And I know for me individually who, you know, I have trampoline parks and escape rooms and I'm in this world and a business that I own. My insurance has more than doubled from the time that I got into business. We've gone from $65,000, a year in annual premiums to over $200,000 a year in annual premiums per location. And, yeah. and wait, that, that insurance is based off of the valuation of the property or so, like damage to the property? General liability insurance. So okay. it's, I can be covered if somebody comes into my store and breaks their leg or slips and falls or does whatever. So I asked my insurance agent why it's the case that insurance rates are just growing at this exponential rate. Yeah. And what's happened is mainly the hurricanes in Florida and the fires in California, that all of these insurance and reinsurance companies, that they've had hundreds of billions of dollars in losses in their residential yeah. portfolio that yeah. they make up in the commercial portfolio. And so what happens when you take a restaurant that's at a 10 or 15% net margin, you know, they're making 15 cents on every dollar in terms of net profit if they're not a franchise system. And you double their GL, the commercial general liability insurance rate on them. Yeah. At some point, you just get to the point where you say, screw it. I'm either going to fly blind. I'm either going to not get insurance the way oh, that, that my lease requires me to. And the second I get a slip and fall, I'll declare bankruptcy and I'll be out of business. Or I'm just, I'm not making enough money to keep this up. I'm just done. Like, I'm not going to continue to work yeah. for the insurance company that the landlord, everybody makes money, the franchisor, except for me. I think that commercial real estate has had such a run-up in asset value from interest rates yeah. that the people that purchased real estate post-COVID, they have to charge lease rates that aren't going to be commercially possible. Viable to the tenants, yeah, from a cash flow perspective. And you saw it in 08 where things got so frothy that like the only way that you could make money is like, somebody's got to take their medicine, right? Somebody's going to have to be the one who holds the bag. Yeah. And I think that it's ultimately going to be landlords that hold the bag. And, you know, Blackstone, Blackstone has a big real estate fund, $70 billion fund that they're shutting down redemptions because all their limited partners in that fund are 
wanting to take their money out. They're wanting to yeah. get liquidity. And so like if Blackstone can't keep their LPs happy, then I think blood is starting to trickle. No through. one else stands a chance. <laughs> Trickling through the streets in the commercial real estate space. And I think it's going to get worse. So how about for areas that are just like abandoned in terms of like, I was under the impression that there was a lot of commercial real estate available because everyone went remote. I think in the office space, that's true. You also have these corporate giants that are already starting to reduce their footprint, right? I think you see all these big companies that are trying to force the work from office again. Yeah. And employees are kind of revolting. And yeah. that also puts pressure on just like commercial office space and I don't know what the numbers are in terms of like how overbuilt we are relative to population trends in the commercial real estate space. But I know from a landlord tenant relationship, the economics are changing and becoming very difficult for tenants to make locations pencil and to do all this work. They're just continually getting compressed. And the person who has to start taking the loss will probably be the landlord, you're saying? They'll have to decrease market, like market prices are going to start dropping. Tenants will take the blow first, or they'll just high rents and the keys back to the landlords. In a restaurant, you have supply chain increases because of inflation costs, right? So your food costs are increasing, your expectations are increasing, your insurance is increasing. And I think the tenants squeezes you out too much. The tenants back will break first, and it's already happening in the public markets. But when you have big commercial strip centers, right? Class A strip centers. And you have an anchor tenant like Bed Bath & Beyond that goes dark and you have 35,000 square feet that is supposed to anchor and all these feeder stores are supposed to feed off of the foot traffic of somebody. Oh, like- true. Yeah, 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 yeah. The little aroma shop that's supposed to be the feeder fish for Bed Bath & Beyond right adjacent to it. Yeah. going to go out of business, right? And then going to go out of business and it's like a downstream change. Domino. Yeah, interesting. All right. So not a good idea right now to get into commercial real estate then. Six months. I think, I think prices will address 20% downward from where they're at today in the commercial in the next six months. Okay. Okay. Oh, that's helpful. That's not investment advice, but definitely something to keep an eye out on. But yeah. And it's interesting to me because commercial real estate is always something I've been interested in, but I just, for example, bought like a house like a month ago. My eyes always ever just been on Zillow and residential real estate. And it's kind of confusing in the market because I thought it was easy to determine that, hey, like market prices are going to go down, interest rates are going to go up. That means affordability goes down. But now, like, if you go on LinkedIn, I like to check out this LinkedIn News stuff. And LinkedIn News says mortgage rates likely to fall in 2023. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, how does that make any sense? You know, I recently learned that the mortgage rates go hand in hand with the bond markets and the supply and demand there. And that's kind of how that level gets set because I got lucky in terms of when I got my house, when we did like the rate lock on the mortgage, they actually did it where it was going up and then like two or three weeks that we were in negotiation with different lenders and stuff, there was actually a significant dip in the market. So we kind of benefited from that definitely when we locked in our rate, but then it shot up again. So it's just like, it's tough to determine what is going on. What's your rate? What's your mortgage rate? Six point something. Yeah, I'm like 6.2 and I bought a house like a month ago. Okay. Oh, nice. Okay. Oh, I did. Hey, you did buy it recently. Yeah. So yeah, that was like the rate, but now it's like people are saying it's going to jump up to seven or it has jumped up to seven or it's like right at that bridge. And I thought it was going to keep going up. 
but now it's like they're saying it's going to fall. I don't know. It's interesting. I guess it may, probably has to do more with the treasuries than anything. Yeah, it's the Fed. Yeah. yeah. And I guess the consensus is that inflation is now it's actually transitory. Like they said, it was two years ago. Like the inflation is on the downtrend. Oh, is it? Okay. I know they were raising rates almost like a half a percent every month for like a couple months. Yeah. Are they going to do that in 2023 now or no? That's like, it's not definite now. I think, I think it's moving dovish. It's moving on a downward trend that they are going to start reducing it. Is Okay. That should be interesting. They had done it about half a percent in December, right? Yeah. Okay. And I think... My last prediction is correlated with that. I think people are going to be tighter with their dollar and they're going to figure out a way to start cutting costs and edge out superfluous spending in their lives in a way to... Just to buckle down for the recession because they're... I think there's going to be more defensive spending. So, you know, it's like food storage, arms, all that stuff. I think those things will do well. People will invest in that. But I think a lot of the restaurant spending, entertainment spending, I think people are just going to be a lot more cognizant of what they're putting on their credit card. And because your interest rate on your credit card is also driven by, it's usually a floating rate. And if you're carrying a $50,000 credit card bill, credit card balance, and that interest rate continues to fall on you. I just think that the debt load of the consumer is going to cause less consumption. I think that we've been on a consumptive spree for the past three or four years. COVID was like, consume, 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 consume. I think demand has been like artificially inflated and I think it's going to recess downwards. And so I think from, as a practical matter, when I look at businesses to acquire or businesses that I'm looking at to either acquire or invest in, I think if, if it's the type of business that I'm asking myself right now, like, if people get their wages cut by 30%, like would they continue to invest in this thing? True. So all the luxury need to like the want to have items, all the side items are probably not as interesting as they might have been a few years ago. Yeah, I think from, luxury, from like a business buying standpoint. Luxury brands like LVMH and all those. Yeah, like, that well, that's a whole nother category, I'd say. Guys, people will always always crush no matter what. Yeah. Massively affluent. But I think yeah. I think if you're selling to the middle-class consumer. They're going to trend down towards conservatism rather than. Unless I think the caveat to that is typically like the last business that I bought was a business that teaches pharmacists how to make more money. Yeah. I think that ends up doing better, but by and large, I think e-com businesses, uh, I think the Stanley cup era of $300 metal cups. I don't actually know how much a Stanley cup costs, but yeah. uh, Ecom, ecom will probably be one area where like you have rising ad costs with iOS 14 and tracking and all that stuff. And then you have rising supply costs. And I think that consumer demand is going to fall off on ecom. And that makes sense. And that kind of goes into my last one, which is I don't really know where it's going to end up, but I just feel like the hedge or at least in for since COVID the kind of corresponding inflation risk hedge always used to be crypto. And that thesis has just not panned out. I mean, it's tough to say because it has had a small rise over the last like week or two. And I don't 
know that that's indicative of anything. I was thinking that like cryptocurrency, the problem with it for the mass, like even though in, in a small bubble, like especially in 2020, 2021, it sounded like everyone was in it. But, you know, I think that was more so just like our group or our community. I don't know how many other people were actually involved with crypto and it was just a small subset. But I think yeah. it can't really hit the masses until it's still too complicated. Like mm -hmm. it's messy. The amount of hacks that go on are insane. Like I think until it can get to a point where it's as easy as, for example, PayPal with email, until you can kind of not have to worry about like misplacing a thousand keys and passwords and all that stuff that. Yeah. So my prediction is that is probably, it's not going to make a resurgence for a while in 2023, but I think at the end of the year, like Q4, it's going to be with like a main, kind of like how Coinbase and Robinhood, I think really helped push it in the US market for people to adopt it and kind of get involved with crypto. I think the same thing will happen at Q4 where somebody will figure out the whole mechanism between combining a wallet and a personal identification system, like connecting it with your phone number or, or your email. I don't know why that doesn't exist yet. And why it's so complicated where you have to like get a MetaMask and it's like synced to your damn browser. Yeah. And it's just so inconvenient to use where that'll never be able to be adopted by anybody over 50 who doesn't want to get it. You know, it's not like just easily pick up like until it becomes very simple to use from a UI UX standpoint. I think it'll kind of continue to go on this downward trend until that pops out and then it'll have a massive resurgence. I feel like the crypto market, as someone who wasn't very deep in it, I feel like you have like crypto Bitcoin, which seems like where the money would be made, kind of like what you're talking about, figure out mass adoption there. But it seems like they're like, ah, eh, like let's keep drilling down further into like DeFi and like DAOs and like Web3. I feel like it's a flex contest of how yeah. can the most esoteric. <laughs> abstract type of possible yeah it's like a flex on who can be the most complicated and i would say i'm at least tech conversant and all of that stuff outside of coinbase you know and even like the hardcore people were like oh coinbase you need to go to a different wallet at night because you could get hacked and like cold storage like on yeah. off like hardware thing i'm like yo like this is crazy like no i'm not doing it and do you agree with the analogy because you're you were deeper in this world than i was do you agree that crypto is the like we're in the 1999 of crypto i'm really happy you said that why because is it like pre-internet like before the browser before like apple came about is that how you're thinking about it yeah, yeah that's it's like all of the run-ups to all of the hype surrounding if you just put this on the internet, like you can go public and it's like all this. So I think that's what just happened in 2020 and 2021. Right. I think the skyrocket, higher price, Dogecoin going to 70 cents, 80 cents, and it's worth like negative nothing. <laughs> but yeah, I think that's exactly it. Like, I wish I did more research on this a little bit, but I'm definitely going to just because like, I don't know how much you know about Netscape or how like, story of Apple as so they used to be like hobbyists and then they put together like the GUI, like the graphic user interface and put the keyboard and that's what made it mainstream. Yeah. I think that's what crypto is lacking. It's lacking like the efficient usability that kind of puts it all together. So I think like Netscape are the first people who put together like the internet browser 
So like the internet was still around for like 10 years or 20 years prior to that, but they made it into like, you know, basic thing you could just type in and access and navigate from. So I think it's going to be something like that where we're still in the wild west because the problem is that it's all just built by specific engineers and there's not that kind of like the product manager or so or the UI UX person that's making it simple to go to market with, you know? You have to get the like 45-year-old suburban mom. Yeah. To be able to adopt it and be comfortable with it and not just think it's like a lottery ticket scheme, but think of it as like a useful technology that could be enhanced. And I have a feeling that the only way I think it can happen otherwise is it gets adopted through like immigrants. So like crypto, I think, not that we use it this way, like my family and stuff like that, but I do feel like certain populations do, certain communities where they use it to transfer money back overseas. Like I have a lot of contract wise, like a transfer wise equivalent. Yeah, exactly. You know, or Western union equivalent or whatever. And I think that's where it'll become adopted the most, where it has the most functionality in terms of that's the simplest way to do international wires or send money overseas. I think for me, the most obvious defining use case, everything else is kind of just like pull off. Like, I don't really know what the whole decentralized BS thing is. And I'm pretty deep in it. And I know 99% of the coins are scams and just kind of like money grab opportunities that are just taking other existing technologies and just reframing it under the blockchain or web three thing, but they're not actually anything innovative. Yeah. But yeah, that that's kind of how I see it. I don't know. I just know that I lost a ton of money in crypto <laughs> and I don't, I don't, not opening that. What's the, number? Uh, What's the number range? Give me a range. It's five figure. Oh, five figures. I've probably lost five figures on like buying up Bitcoin at 50, right? And selling it at 30. Like I lost at least 10 grand for sure. Yeah. I didn't put that much in. I put like a little bit in 500, maybe every paycheck or like a thousand or there used to be times where I put more chunks in. Like the greatest thing was a few years ago when, uh, I had kind of a thesis around crypto back in 2017, 2018, and I was into it. I had made like a whole little business around it, like an informational business, and then had some coins, maybe had a couple thousand dollars in it. And then I think I moved to Cali and I got involved in a bunch of different startups and stuff, left like the crypto scene for a bit. And then I went back to my wallet in 2020. It was on Coinbase and it was always some authenticator issue. I'd switched phones and there was an authenticator issue that I never decided tried to figure out because it was sent to an email that was deactivated too. So I would have to call into Coinbase and they didn't have a number or I had to email. It was almost like a secret like stash that I knew that I had. I didn't know how much I had in it. And it was pretty nice because one time when I needed it for investment and like some inventory stuff and some business stuff I was doing a few years ago, I finally, you know, I was at a cash crunch and everything. And it was a weekend. And I think that's a whole nother issue is that like the entire financial world dies on the weekend. So if you need money, yeah. like you can't do anything yeah. after Friday when the banks close. So, but I finally logged into it and I had 60,000 sitting there. <laughs> awesome. And that was, it would definitely like 10 X, I think, because it was from the 2018 crash to like the 2020 start of the peak up. So that was definitely a nice little gift, but then I blew that too. So <laughs> It didn't end up helping, but I honestly wish today that I wasn't able to log into that. <laughs> no, I think that's a good, I'm kind of a perma bear on 
crypto just because I think it's safer to be a bear on it than, but I agree with you. I, I think that the immigration use case and like cross-border transaction use case, I mean, wiring is a total pain, but I don't believe- And it takes so long still. Like, I don't know why the financial system hasn't been handled by now. We think everything should be as easy as like Venmo and Zelle and PayPal. I don't think- I've seen a lot of decks on like real estate, trying to use the general ledger for like real estate transactions. So you don't have to get title insurance and all that stuff. I just think those big industries, those kind of fossilized industries, I think they're going to take 20, 30 years. Yeah. I think it's going to be a long slog. So of your predictions, which one do you have the highest conviction in? That's yeah. a good question. I'll have to say, I want to say the Elon Musk one, but I think... If I was to bet on it right now on myself, I would have to just say the crypto one. <laughs> the crypto comes back. Yeah. Crypto comes back. You go back to 50K a coin or like, what is Bitcoin going to be priced at? In it's going to go higher than 60K. What is it's, it right now? It's, it's low. I think it is right now at 21,000. So it's already it? been going up a little bit, but that's probably just a temporary jump. Yeah. Are you in it? Yeah, a little bit, but like maybe 10, 20K, like very like minor. So you think by Q4, you'll triple your money that you have in currently. It's funny. Cause I say, if I say that, then I should put more money into it and put all my money into it, but I'm not going to put another dollar in, but my other stuff is just Elon Musk does need to have a health issue. But that's just, <laughs> so these, these are strong convictions loosely held. Basically. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So mine between the steroids, TikTok commercial real estate and the consumer credit. I think, I think the commercial real estate is probably the one that I see happening. It's kind of already underway. So you feel confident that is going to like mine were all like kind of bitch predictions with the flow and everything. Well, to an extent, I guess, yeah, I guess if we put dates on it, because I think over the long term, I think you're going to end up being right, but it just depends on how long, you know, unless Elon, unfortunately his demise comes from semi-glutide, then it's not going to become more popular. We should bet. We should like go head to head and bet ten thousand dollars. What's your highest? What's my highest? And go down the go down. I don't the think there's websites out there for that, like crypto websites. <laughs> All right, that's what we got for you today. We'll see you in the next one. Peace. Peace.